0: the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV.
1: This. This. This is AV Nation.
0: This is AV Nation.
2: This is AV AV Week. Episode 157, recorded Sunday, August 24th, 2014. Ice, ice, baby. Ready. AV, AV Week. Forming. scan. Week. This is AV Week. A-V. AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap up of audio, visual, news, and information. My name is Tim Albright. I'm your host. Hello. If you're watching live or listening to this, this is Sunday. It's a special edition. There's a reason for that. Uh, this guy right here is the reason for that. His name is Aviv Ron. He's from Kramer. He's in Israel. I love the internet. How are you, sir?
1: I'm great. Glad to be here, and sorry for destroying your Sunday. No, of no, it's me. good, man. Here's the thing. <laughs> I'll I, I... pay you back once Friday, I promise. <laughs> well, he and I were
2: talking off the, yeah. uh, off the air. I, I, I love this, the fact that we can do this. Um, we used to have a, a, a Tom Andreon from Australia. So the fact that he's in Israel right now, right? And I'm just outside of St. Louis, and Don and, and Bradford, who we'll get to in a second, are in their respective places of the United States. Um, I, I think it's cool. I think it's cool. So thank you so much for making time on your Sunday evening, uh, folks. Absolutely. Um,
1: thank you. So. Pleasure to be here.
2: Uh, also with us, I mentioned as well, uh, Bradford Ben from uh, from Harmon International. How are you, sir?
3: I'm doing well. How is everyone? Good.
2: Uh, his lower third, in case you're not watching, says favorite guest. Um, that could. It's true. It's true. It's true. Uh, and last but not least, Miss Av Dawn Dawn Mead from Net Av, also the host of Av Social. How are you, ma'am?
0: Very good. Thanks. How are you guys?
2: Good. And I have not seen nor spoken to Miss Mead, so. Congratulations on being named one of the forty under forty from Commercial Integrator. We'll talk about the whole list uh, later. She on told the show. me
3: she was twenty-nine.
2: Well, that's the thing—is they—they had a misprint. Her, her, it's thirty. She's thirty. Oh,
3: okay. She's Harry's 30. forty.
2: She's thirty.
3: Okay. Oh, so Harry's robbing, robbing the cradle. Yes. Okay. God, I love you
0: guys.
2: Oh, always wow. has been. Always will be. So I...
3: it, she's been thirty for many years. <laughs> you
0: know what? <laughs> <laughs> You know, my mom, my mom was 39 until my oldest brother turned 32, and then she decided <laughs> to age years. Other than the dog, Harry and I don't have kids, so I'm whatever age I'd like to be. 35 exactly.
3: today.
2: 35. That works. Like I'll go that. with 29. You couldn't go for 29. You've got too little hair and too much gray in your beard, so.
3: No, I meant Don's 29. Oh, admit, okay. I'm the oldest one so... here. To be old and wise, you first must be young and stupid. I'm the old and wise one.
2: I've gotten the first part down. My my twenties was nothing but young and stupid. Anyhow, uh, all right, let's let's actually <laughs> talk, to, talk. about audio. Let's talk about some some AV stuff. Uh, we're going to cover TiVo uh, this week, which is a little odd for us, but there's a reason for that. Uh, AV Nation is going to CEDIA uh, for the first time, covering it uh, as a news organization. AV Nation, the news organization, CEDIA, the event, uh, and TiVo actually is one of the sponsors. They've got some uh, some stuff uh, coming out. We have our very very first. Um, Apex certified company, and uh, Apex is the certification from Infocom. Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some Kramer stuff uh, with with Aviv and, and everybody else, and also AMX. But first, uh, from our friend uh, Ted Green, who God love him. Ted is is either teasing me and making my life horrible, or giving Dawn and I reason to believe and hope. OLED. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's an OLED Japanese, Japanese, good Lord, Japanese consortium. See what happens when I do this on Sunday? Japanese consortium that are testing the OLED production method. What does that mean for you and me and Don and I when, when it comes to, um, hoping and praying and, you know, believing, you know, that OLED is going to happen? Don will kick it off with you because you share this passion as much as I do. What does this mean when it comes to the possibility of making OLED an actual honest to goodness, you know, reality in the world of, of pro AV and, and commercial both?
0: Well, I'm hoping it means that I'm finally going to get my large OLED flexible screen, not silly curved thing, but flexible screen on my wall before I die. <laughs> That's what I hope it means. I've been waiting for the promise of OLED for over a decade now. If you've been listening to this show, Tim and I have been whining about it for as long as the show's existed. And every time Japan or any other country in that part of the world that manufactures screens comes out with a negative news story about OLED, it crushes our hearts. Mm -hmm. It literally hurts. And this is fantastic news that not only are they not giving up on the technology, but they're determining that they want to move forward to it. I think it said that the consortium includes Japan Display, Sony, Panasonic, and Innovation Network Corporation of Japan. So there are some big names in there, and if they're all going to work together on this technology, my God, I might actually get one finally, and that'll make me so happy.
2: Okay, so let me, I'm not trying to take the the contrarian view, but they've been a little schizophrenic about this, right, the last six months. Oh, I'm trying to be nice. Uh, there have been okay. slightly schizophrenic. Because here's the thing. Sony and Panasonic both, right? They, they they did the whole split up. You know, Sony took its stuff. Panasonic took its stuff as far as their, their OLED um, agreement. Uh, LG has been the only one saying, hey, we're still over here doing it. Um, but everybody else has been, you know, nah, let's not do it. We can't make money, this, that, and the other. I'm wondering, you have any, any thoughts as to why suddenly – Um, Sony and Panasonic, those two names specifically, are back in this game?
0: Well, I can't remember whether it was this past January or the January before. That's why I said six months. Are you sure (laughs) you want to go with that number? Uh, One of the past CESs or, or, you know, out out in Vegas, Sony's big thing was screw OLED, we're going to have crystal vision or whatever the heck that ridiculous laser thing was. That was
2: 2013, I think. CES.
0: yeah so See, they've been trying pro- to kill oh go ahead
3: i was gonna say once you cross 40 you can't remember back that far thank so you 13
0: i'm 29 remember you said so uh,
3: i just have no idea what you're talking about
0: uh, it's video stuff don't worry about yeah. it okay i'll go back to sleep um, yes but but they they came out sony came out with this crystal vision or crystal laser or crystal something or other and it was It's a case of, you know, everybody was making progress on this new technology, 10-year-old technology, OLED, and then everyone had something new and innovative, and so they didn't want to play nice with others. And I think it's a case of whatever their new idea was, Crystal Vision and whatever Panasonic had, and all these little crazy ideas that weren't OLED either had absolutely no interest from the public or just didn't work. And So they had to drop back and punt go back to a technology that because it's over 10 years old at least in the small scale They know works. They know it's possible. They just need to advance it You know, so it's not like they're inventing the Breaking away from OLED was trying to reinvent the wheel and come up with something new and exciting They're sick of working on it, but they haven't perfected it yet so if everybody gets together and works to perfect it and brings a proven technology to market in a better way then the entire industry will benefit and then they can go back and play with their crystal whatevers and maybe bring that to market some other time if they can get it to work yeah if they so I think this is a good move that they all said hey wait a minute no this we, we could make money with this if we get it larger and flatter mm-hmm. and bendier and to market affordably
2: well and, and and to ramp up the production you know capabilities that's the one thing that the last story that we heard not from LG but from Sony and Panasonic was the fact that they couldn't make money. Uh, Brad, well, for... I was going to say, Go looking at
3: the at the investment, you know, 193 million dollars U.S. I'm like, are they really putting in everything they can to be successful? Because I don't think, I don't think that's a huge investment yet. I think that's more of a okay. <laughs> I'm
2: sorry, 200 million dollars isn't a huge investment.
0: That's a lot of no. money. Ah. Uh, t- Tim, we're small integrators, world, <laughs> and Brad is from Harman, and they are Sony and Panasonic. To them, that's not a big investment. Well, you know, unless it's crazy money.
3: You know, it, it sounds funny, but I'm like, that's well, yes, that's a lot of money. I'm not sure that's enough money to, to actually finish the project, if you know what I mean. Okay. It, it's a good investment. It's a good start, but if we're talking about an industry that they want to sell millions and billions of these units, that size investment kind of makes me wonder if they're serious. And I know it's funny to say only 200 million dollars, but you know it to get a production line up and running from nothing to done is quite expensive. Uh,
2: but it's not from nothing, though, is it? And it, I, I'm not a manufacturer. I have two on the phone here, so let's let's see if they can chime in on this. But they're TV. I, mean, I don't mean to sound flip about this, but they're TVs, right? Right. So you've got the line that makes TVs already. I mean, yes, well, the insides are different, but...
3: They're saying they're doing a test production line. Okay. So that means they're starting from nothing. And it sounds funny, about such things as, okay, are you putting it into someone's building? Are you renting space? What machining are you going to have to purchase? What tooling are you going to have to purchase? Et cetera, et cetera. Yes, it's a chunk of money. But I'd be more interested to see how they're spending that money before I go. Yep, they're going to do LED and be able to wrap a pole.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, very nice, by the way.
3: You like the way I pulled back <laughs> I, in and I, old I liked what?
2: that. Yes, I, the, one, on one of the last shows I had Bradford on, we talked about the flexible OLEDs and you could wrap a pole. I I think I said that exact phrase. So
3: yes, you did. It uh, might be the title of said episode. <laughs> I,
2: think, I think so. Uh, Aviv, when it comes to ramping up new technologies like this, what's some of the the manufacturing challenges uh, that Bradford was alluding to?
1: Well, I don't know too much the details about this particular one, but I can tell you $200 million is definitely a sign of you know being serious about it. Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't know what else is involved in terms of setting up uh, the manufacturing for this particular technology. I think uh, Brad may be right that uh, larger amounts may be required, but it's definitely an amount that uh, shows being very serious about the project and, uh, you know, being set up to... Delivering a product, you know, and, uh, and Don is right. This is definitely something that the world has been um, waiting for for uh, a long time. So it rec- does require a significant amount of investment for sure.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and waiting for a wh- while is, is, is no stretch here. Don's right. We've been waiting for over 10 years uh, yeah. since the the very first uh, specs came out. So.
3: Since Tim was a member of 30 Under 30. <laughs> Good lord. You're
2: never going to let me live that down, are you? Yeah. um by the way just for the record, i never made 30 under 30 so you know my, i've not made
3: any of my, them i'm hoping to make 50 under 50 i think they need to start that just so i can be named
2: well i I don't disagree with that so let's let's talk to somebody maybe we know some people that own magazines and stuff so uh okay. speaking of magazines uh from our friends over at commercial integrator and yes this week they are don and i's friends. <laughs> um the uh, uh, AMX uh, is in, is integrating their most powerful processor, and I did officially uh, uh, verify that with my buddy Sean Robinson. This is their top-of-the-line processor for the Anova. If you're not familiar with what the Anova is, the Anova is their all-in-one box, right? Um, here's the question that, that, that I, I had initially, um, and... You know, there's no secret here. I, there's a lot of pr- uh, manufacturers that I absolutely love. I use on a daily basis. Uh, Kramer, I use a lot of Kramer. I use a lot of Crestron. I use, I've programmed and, and put in a lot of DMPSs, which is Crestron's version of the Anova. Here's the thing. They still don't have their their 3-series processor in this. So my initial thought was, hmm, AMX has already got their most po- most powerful processor. Wondering why you know Crestron doesn't have that, and I've I've heard some 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 backroom stories that it's coming. It's apparently uh, November December time timeframe. Um, so Bradford, I'm not asking you as an official you know Harman you know, AMX by Harman rep, uh, but in general, you know what's you know what's the thinking behind this, or is this just the fact that this is a normal manufacturing production cycle? they got to the end of the line with with the old series processors on the ANOVA and it was just time to to install this, uh, their latest and and greatest processor.
3: Well, it's not just putting in the latest and greatest processor because as we were talking a little bit off the air, the processor speed isn't what actually does everything. It's more about the overall system and the programming. Uh, Part of it is bringing in IP version 6. Is bringing in the fact that it's a standard and it follows more of the standards that people like. The fact that it's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's also compatible with old products was a big thing. But the fact that it runs on Linux, it's newer, faster processor, which means it's going to be able to handle newer, higher resolution video. And it sounds funny. As a manufacturer, you don't want to keep your products working on older uh chipsets you know okay. so what we were talking about ahead of time uh, just to bring our listeners in uh was that you know it's you know the press release says it's 1600 1600 uh, millions of instructions per seconds or mips versus uh 404 mips which just cracks me up they couldn't say 400 they had to say 404 For those of you who are nerds, you understand 4.0.4 is the error that comes up when (laughs) it pages I
2: missed that. I completely missed that, but that's, that's nice. That's very good.
3: Thank you. So, but as we were talking about, good code can make them both run at the same speed, but we have good code for that. We have the fact it'll do IPv6, it'll do IPv4, it'll do all that. It has the security in there, so which is good, and it's backwards compatible. So staying... Current is important. Uh, the fact that you're able to make it very scalable uh, becomes huge. You know, it's as systems are getting bigger and bigger, uh, it's it's needed more and more. Uh, I can you know share the vid- the PowerPoint that I was given, and we can pretend I know what I'm talking about. Nah, that's not but good. it's just one of these things where where the idea of updating as technology gets better and not passing the cost on to the customer is a beautiful thing. Uh, one of the things I do like about it, and this is where everyone's going to kind of chuckle, it's Linux. Yes. It's stable. I tried to crash one. So far, I've been unsuccessful.
2: Well, good. Let, let me know if you do, because, yeah, I've got a couple Linux boxes at, at the house. Actually, my kids, both of my children are in, are in grade school now, and i figured you know they needed a laptop but i i just got a an old laptop off ebay and stripped it down and they both have linux installations on them. because you're right they, it's very hard to, to crash uh aviv from a manufacturing standpoint how it, bradford mentioned the fact that this thing is is ipv6 ready how important is that uh is making sure that your stuff is is ready for for internet protocol version six uh going forward
1: That's an interesting question because that's one of those things that have been you know sort of uh, looming in the air for a very, very long time. And uh, um, you know the question is when is it really going to start being requested by customers? Is it really going to be uh, needed? Is it really going to be required for supporting installations? Um, And I think it's still a time for IPv6 to be uh, quite significant. Obviously uh, it's a uh, you know, we are working on it, manufacturers are working on it, but uh, um, you know, to be quite honest, I don't see the urge from the market yet. Um, it's true that there is a potential problem with addresses and uh, all that, uh, so at some point, it will uh, there will be a pressure to start putting it in. Um, I have to say, I don't see an uh, urgent request from customers to IPv6 at the moment, and um, that's uh, we still have some uh, some runtime to uh, to come up with that. Would be my my judgment at this point. Is
2: it one of those things though, where where you guys, as the manufacturer, and you, you know, Bradford, you can chime in too. But uh, Aviv, is this one of those things where you guys should lead. The, the clients rather than, you know, waiting for the demand to get there because, you know, let's be honest, sometimes customers are dumb. I mean, you know, they're they're not thinking, you know, they still have 192.168.1.1 stuck in their head or whatever, you know, the default IP address is for whatever product. Uh, but should you guys lead rather than waiting for the request to get there?
1: No, absolutely, I agree. I mean, there there is a, there is definitely a role for the manufacturer to uh, lead where uh, you know things are in the in the for the advantage of the of the customers because they want to uh, resolve not only today's problem but the future problem, and they uh, if there is a benefit there, they definitely uh, they definitely have a role in doing that. So I believe you are right, and Raymer does see itself as a as a innovator and a leader in the industry. I, um, I think IPv6 is still one of these things. That is not uh, urgent for uh, for the customers to uh, to put in. It's not something we have to uh, push into them and say, you know, make sure it's IPv6 because otherwise you're going to have problems in the future or in a year or two. I still don't see that. Yeah. No. Well, I'll I'll say I disagree a little bit. Uh, I
3: think there's a couple things going on. Uh, part of it is. The a lot of customers latch onto it as oh IPv six that's a new buzzword I have to check and make sure I get there, you know there is a certain amount of that, but there's also on the larger infrastructures the ca- the campus and uh, corporate worlds of you know a large multinational conglomerate that has an office in Guadalajara, Sao Paulo, London, etc. that they're going to want IPv six for their network just because they're starting to make the transition already. But I do agree for probably 90 to 95% of the market, it's not needed. It's a standalone small network that's using the private network. Like you said, using 192.168.1.1 is is all their addresses and all that. But I do think it's important to start thinking about this as some of the larger customers are starting to require it, Uh, especially for, you know, I'm not going to say metropolitan area networks I'm saying world area networks of when they have the multiple locations I think that's where IPv6 comes in and I'll be the first to admit it's a buzzword people are expecting you know IPv6 it's it sounds funny it's kind of the and I'm I realize this is comparing apples and oranges but it's a lot of times where people look at the 1600 millions and meaningless instructions per second uh, as we were talking about versus, you know, 1500, uh, MIPS and the 1600 must be better than the 1500. But if the math is bad math, the 1500 can be faster than the 1600. And, but it's just the numbers make it look better and more high tech.
2: No. Uh, also by the way, if, if you've never messed with IPv6, um, it reminds me, the, the, the numbers remind me, I shouldn't say numbers, because it reminds me of, of MAC addresses, honestly, because it's there's alphanumerics in there. so
3: Yes, it's hexadecimal because of how big the numbers are. It's the exact same format. It's 128-bit, and to try to put a 128-bit word together in number form, well, I don't have that kind of time to type, so it's hexadecimal words instead. So, yep, same format. MAC address is just 32-bit. These happen to be, you know, 128 bit. Yeah. So See, you learn something. You learn
2: something, you know. Every once more, in a while, you know. You know. Uh, Don, Don, let's 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 tackle two things. First of all, all in one boxes with these new fancy, smanshy, uh higher higher end processors. Um, and Bradford alluded to the fact that it's backward compatible. How important is that? Is making sure that that as our our, our control manufacturers push farther and farther, and whether it's MIPS or whatever the you know whatever the the uh, the benchmark is making sure that these things are faster and better. How important is it, is it that they make sure that, that they can talk to their legacy products?
0: Hugely important. It's Thank you. Hugely <laughs> important. I mean, well, Tim, you, you used to be technology manager at a university mm-hmm. at, at a, at a community college, but it's still, you're dealing with campuses with lots of classrooms and lots of individual small integrations that make a giant hole. And anytime you're talking about a corporate campus or a school campus or a medical campus where there are multiple in- implementations, those can take place over a long period of time. Till mm-hmm. you, from the time you start the first room till you finish the last room, it's time for refresh on the first room again. Yeah. So you have to have that backwards compatibility if you're going to have any interoperability between the different classrooms, the different buildings, the different areas that you're taking care of. And I think it would be almost irresponsible to not have backwards compatibility. And, I mean, kind of arrogant to say, well, we're going to change our product, and if you want the shiny new, you have to change everything in your existing infrastructure everywhere if you want it to talk or your SOL. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that takes some chutzpah to, to come out with something like that. I mean, come on, that's... that's I, I wouldn't buy it. I would that, say, that's well, Microsoft-esque. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I, that, that would take pardon me a very big set to come out with this phrase like that to your customers um so I I think the backwards compatibility is huge um if I can jump back to the IPV 4 versus 6 thing I, I have to respectfully disagree with the guys that say it's not a problem or it's not a very big problem I think it's going to be a very big problem not practically speaking from the functionality of the systems because practically speaking Bradford's right very small systems, even a campus is still kind of internal small systems, plenty of numbers to go around with IPv4. But we're talking about customers. We're talking about end users who understand a lot of times a smattering of what we do with one or two guys that know as much as us or sometimes more. But for the most part, the people that make the money decisions are the people that just know a smattering. And when something happens in the news that has a buzzword, they get scared. I refer to you this past week, to the news about the internet and the massive slowdowns and the massive problems with the internet because of IPv4 versus IPv6 routers. Hmm. PC World Magazine August 20th 2014 that's what four days ago talking about the internet has all these routers that makes all of our traffic go and they're all old IPv4 routers and there aren't enough addresses so there are massive clogs and that's why everyone's internet's been running slow. Your average Joe I kind of work in technology, but I, I just pay the bills for the technology people, they're going to see something like that and say, Oh, IPv4 is making the Internet break. We can't have any IPv4. We have to have IPv6. That's the thing that works. And then it's going to become a panic because it's in – I mean, PC World is just one of the news sources over the past week or two that's come out with stories about the, the Internet slowdowns due to the old routers.
3: Yeah. Oh, I mean, no, no, the Internet slowdowns due to net neutrality in the company's throttling. Amen, brother. We
0: know that, I, I, I agree with you there and we also know, the, the four of us at least, that the internet router slowdown really doesn't have a darn thing to do with the AV network working. It, it doesn't mean anything but the buzzword's the same. The people that just know a smattering of technology, just enough to be dangerous and sign the checks, are the people that are going to hear this and freak out. And it happens anytime there's a big news story. So I, I think that thinking that it's going to be a long way off could be a mistake as long as this type of story keeps coming up in the news I think customers may be a little more antsy and want to jump on the IPv6 bandwagon a little sooner
3: Oh, I agree with you it's I have friends who are IT guys literally work for IT companies and they're like why don't your products do IPv6 And I'm like because if you're doing more than four billion amplifiers on network I think we'll we'll take that po and make it do ipv6 for you I promise you that and but it's one of those like you said it has to do with the buzzwords mm-hmm. and part of it is ipv6 is the buzzword it's kind of the people who say well I'm using a category 6e cable because it's the bestest fastest but then they're putting you know 10 megabits per second on it because they're using an inexpensive switch and they just spend all this money because of the buzzword
0: well, and and to be fair you know the fact that it doesn't doesn't impact us in AV only relates to if we're having separate completely separate divided AV networks which you know back when some of us started the industry we would put in a parallel network yep. that was just AV because we weren't allowed to touch the IT network
2: or or they'll put you on a on a separate VLAN
0: right and, but in a lot of cases now they're starting to let us use the regular network except for military And in those cases, you wouldn't need a billion amplifiers on the network to max out the IPv4. If you just look at the total devices, including all the computers and the tablets and the blah, 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 whatever that's using addresses, maybe a corporate structure, even though the AV side wouldn't approach that, maybe their entire corporate IT network would approach that. But it's their job to be paranoid about these things and be prepared and have a solution. And IPv6 is the solution for those people. It, you know, it's Paul Zeely from AMX and a lot of the guys talking security, both at Infocom and at some recent things. When you're in IT, when you're dealing with that stuff, and when you're in security, it's all about risk mitigation. And these IT, IT managers that are running AV networks now, they want to mitigate their risk of any sort of problem. And if they can do that by using an IPv6 product versus an IPv4, even if it really wouldn't max out the network at 4, they're going to go with that.
3: Well, I also say there's another challenge uh, of some products uh, from some manufacturers don't like being on an IPv6 network. And I include De- myself define in there. That,
2: Define that. Like they don't like it from a corporate philosophy or the products don't like being on it?
3: Uh, some computers that run Windows 7 hmm. have problems if you have IPv6 enabled and are trying to use UDP to talk to... Other control objects. And that's not just a Harman problem, that's actually a Microsoft based problem. It's because it's in Windows 7 itself. So this is where you start getting into it's a whole big ecosystem that you have to worry about. Now, I'm not trying to make everyone paranoid no. because it's easy enough I go on and I uncheck IPv6 and it's a 15 second fix. But this is one of those, if we're going to say IPv6 is important, or customers are going to say IPv6 is important. We have to realize, getting back to the backwards compatibility thing, there are hundreds of devices, if not thousands of devices, that IPv6 doesn't work on that might have problems being on IPv6 network.
2: Have you seen the same issues with Windows 8 uh, devices, if, if you have IPv6 enabled, or have you not run across that?
3: have not done enough testing to comment on it okay. successfully.
2: I'm, I'm just curious, because it, it may be one of those things. Yes, I agree with backwards backwards compatibility but uh back to my comment about microsoft-esque that is not you know saying that you have to buy all brand new stuff is, is not um unlike microsoft um if you've paid attention to the gaming part and that that's kind of what i'm referencing their new gaming platform the the xbox one you couldn't you couldn't take your skyrim um or uh, or for my son the, his his version of minecraft and throw it into you know you couldn't take the three hundred and sixty version and put it into an Xbox One uh, box and let it work. So,
3: well, and I actually have to say, and this is going to pain me to say it, if you look at how backwards compatible multiple platforms Microsoft as the operating system supports, it's actually pretty impressive. Uh, because if you think about it, uh, you know there are companies that are still running Windows XP. That's what ten years old, fourteen years old.
2: No, that it's dead now. They stopped no. stop supporting it.
3: No, not fully. Really? Because there's still Microsoft XP embedded. That's like a oh. manufacturing trick.
2: Okay, but, but, the, but the general, you know, everybody and their brother version.
3: Right, the general everyone and their brother, but then you look at the stuff that Microsoft Windows 7 allows you to run as XP compatible, as 98 compatible, as ME compatible, which just causes the software to crash. But, you know, the fact that they have these play as virtual backwards modes and all these other things I actually have some respect for them in the fact they have to support all these different platforms and software uh, from multiple manufacturers and all that that it's pretty impressive Microsoft typically doesn't do the as much as people say hey you gotta get all new they like you to buy new and admittedly Xbox is a slightly different thing than the desktop operating systems Yeah, but they actually do some pretty good work with the amount of stuff they support uh, if you read some of Joel Sposky's uh, blogs and books on it you can kind of get a whole lot more respect for him. Do they have saying that's, perfect?
2: Do, do they do they still support Microsoft Bob?
3: Yes, yes they do. <laughs> However, See? Microsoft Bob is then, you know, it your computer crashes and goes no, really get something real.
2: If if you if you're not if you're too young for that, uh, go go google it because it's it was an interesting experience. Funny. Huh?
3: Well I was going to say, I wonder if yeah. that would show up on Microsoft Bing. It
2: probably, probably won't. They would hide it if they were smart. <laughs> yeah, what was That's that, like mid though. to late 90s? It was yeah. It was after Windows yeah. 95. It uh, was after
3: 95, think, before ME. Yeah.
0: It doesn't matter. They just announced <laughs> Windows 9 will be out in like five minutes. So, yeah. uh, you know, maybe they'll fix the IPv6 problem and get rid of some of the old silly things out of there. And...
3: Fun. I'm just happy they got rid of of Clippy.
2: Did they get officially? Did they officially bury Cl- Clippy?
3: Hi, it looks like you're digging a hole. Oh, can I help? <laughs> Jeez, Ooh, yeah, let me it. get in the hole.
2: I personally like the the wizard. The wizard. The wizard and the dog were my few favorites. So I don't know. All right, let's move on.
3: Uh, <laughs> we we uh, <laughs> a rabbit trail here yeah, somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Uh,
2: Kramer's got a couple collaboration softwares and, and one thing. Um. Just for the record, Aviv actually agreed to come on this show. Uh, um, the one thing that I, I've I've written about and, and talked about is the fact that a year ago at Infocom, the entire buzzword was was uh, huddle spaces. This year, it was flip classroom. Um, there are very good reasons and very good uh, products. This being one, Kramer has a new. uh they it's called a Via Collage. It's it's their collaboration software, um, and so I'm. I wanted to get aviv on and talk about exactly from a manufacturer's standpoint right before the trade show right before the buzzwords, how do you guys decide exactly you know when you're creating stuff like the collage? where do you get your um i guess inspiration <laughs> not to not to make it sound too uh, too uh To another worldly, but but where do you guys come up with with the ideas to say you know what let us give folks the uh, the ability to sit around a table and you know share uh, share information, share video and share audio, kind of in a collaborative space.
1: Yeah, that's a very good question. I mean, it's it's and that's uh, related to your previous question. You know, where do manufacturers lead? And I think where they lead is not uh, sometimes it's related to technology, but sometimes it's related to you know how customers uh, behave and what do you expect from the whole space of pro and i think it's more about uh, um, you know what is the type of solutions what is the type of applications what is the type of behavior they would like to drive in their respective organizations. This is where we're spending at Kramer a lot of time uh, figuring out uh, in very many different ways. Um, A lot of that is uh, studies, interviews, talking to customers, talking to uh, end users as well as system integrators, um, and really watching what people are expecting in terms of behavior and uh, where are some of the Uh, frustration points are. And one of the things that we actually found is that people really uh, dislike meetings. And uh, we started to think about, you know, what can we do to make this experience of meetings more enjoyable, more productive, more useful. And uh, we really found, you know, it's not about, you know, what type of technology there is in the meeting room, but, you know, how do you create an experience that is uh, different, Um, and then how you integrate into a solution uh, all the expectations that are driving some of the buzzwords. For example, you know, BYOD, what does that mean? Bring your own device. What do you actually want to do? How do you want to uh, get to a meeting and behave? When you step into a room, how do you want the whole thing to work? And, um, And we looked at that, and we looked at the wireless requirement. And we looked at the underlining term of collaboration instead of, as a replacement to presentation, you know, meetings used to be okay. Somebody comes up on the board and flip charts, and then somebody came on the board and started to run a presentation. And everybody is watching. Uh, we really see a need for people and a desire for management to start having meetings more interesting, more engaging, more involving, uh, and more collaborative. And uh, that is really have to be based on technologies that are imp- that are uh, allowing for those uh, needs. And uh, bring your own device is, a, is should be an, a, a, a trend with with some enablers that will make it happen. And this is what we try to do with this kind of solution. So. Um, Sorry, that was kind of a long yeah, answer I mean, to your question, but it's really it's really a very involving uh, process, and we we're actually quite excited with the with the result in this case. Um, so bring on a meetings that is more collaborative, more engaging, more interesting. Uh, having people uh, um, being able to show their stuff when they come to a meeting, because it's not always one person is having a talk and now this person is presenting. We want other participants to to get on board and to show their stuff. And they have a clip of video they want to show. They want it to be full HD being streamed into the main device. They they want to uh, see on their device, they want to see what's presenting on the main screen. They want to share documents. They want to be able to uh, make notes on on one document, use kind of a whiteboard uh, functionality. All those kind of things are uh, really what excites us in this uh, new product.
2: Well, and let me ask you: this is a, a side note to that. How important are, are awards like that? Either you won the award from from Sound and Communication. How important is that as an as an organization? Um, do you, is it more? Hey, cool! It, it's something else that we can use in marketing, or is it? Does it? Is it really mean something to you guys when? When a, a publication says, "You know what? This is this is a really great product." So much so that it's 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 among some of the best things that we've seen recently.
1: You know, it's a it's a, it's a nice recognition. It's a, a really a useful in a marketing material. I think it spreads the word out. Um, but you know, what's really I believe personally, what's really driving success is the is the is this you know the feedback from customers, and uh, they start to experience it. You know, you guys are a small um, uh, industry and very well connected uh, you know and i'm a relatively a late comer to the to the industry so i'm just watching you guys and how well you know each other and uh, um so in in june it really was my first infocom personally and i was oh. You know, wowed by the whole experience with you know how this uh, how this industry behaves, how well they know each other, how nice of people they are, and I don't really say just to be uh, you know so flattering to the people that maybe are listening, but it it really is. You know, I'm coming from telecom. Telecom is a little bit more cultural, I have to say. Oh, don't 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 misunderstand. <laughs> I mean,
3: oh oh, trust me. There's a reason. You know. Certain brands aren't here because I don't play nicely with others,
2: and I don't either. So, you know. Yeah. Oh wait.
3: Wait up! I have to ask though. Yes. Just, just to bring this all full circle. So, Aviv, does this support IPv6? <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't play nicely with no, others. No, he doesn't. It's okay. It's,
1: it's, it's weird. Don't worry. It's a firmware.
2: It's a firmware update. There you go. Uh, Brad, Bradford, from, from your guys' standpoint, how do you, you know, uh, same question, I guess, uh, is how do you, as Harmon, um, come up with new ideas? Is, again, back, I guess back to the same old question of, of do you guys lead or do you wait for, for customer feedback?
3: Uh, we do both. Okay. And this is where it starts to get to be challenging. Uh, so very similar to what Aviv talked about. You start talking with your customers and you ask them what problems they're having if I come in and say, I can develop this product that does X, Y, and Z, they're going to go, hmm. But if you can go to a customer and go, what problems are you having? What things can I solve for you? And then look at how you can apply technology to it. It's a much better workflow, I feel. But then there are other times where you just, you have to put something out there, uh, a game changer. Uh, I can use the example of, I personally, when we put a front panel on, the iTech amplifier went... We're putting a front panel on amplifier Y. And now it's like, okay, it makes a lot of sense. It was something that was a little ahead of its time, in my opinion, but it works well. So it's a combination of talking to the customers to see what problems they want to solve. It's a challenge when working with customers because quite often they'll say, I need a input device that has 17 inputs and only 17 inputs and here's why and blah, blah, blah. But if you can go, okay, what's the problem you're trying to solve? What's yeah. the challenge you have? What's, what's the issue? Rather than saying what to create the technology doing, that's a much better collaborative effect. It's kind of like saying, oh, does it have to be IPv6? Everyone's going to say, yeah, it has to be IPv6. Whereas you say, what's the biggest challenge you see when you integrate with base buildings and converged, or as we call them, harmonized networks? Uh People go, oh, they want to use the same IP structure throughout the entire system. It has to support SNMP version 3, and it has to support 802.1x for authentication, and you need to support tagged VLANs and all that. That's a lot better information than saying, oh, it has to support IPv6. So that's kind of the big thing. So what problems can I solve for you today, Tim?
2: Um... Wireless video and audio seamlessly, um, over 1,000 feet, um, secured and, into, and, and uh, integrated into a uh, control system.
3: Okay, but what type of, uh, what type of uh, image quality do you want? I can do that right now. If I you want, want 8K, life. baby. Oh, okay, that's going to be a little harder. little harder, but we can do that. All right. Tim doesn't ask for much.
2: No. O- on well, an OLED screen.
3: I was about to say, do I need to make that flexible so you can yes. wrap it around the antenna mask? Bendy. Then? Baby,
2: bendy. Yeah. Don, <laughs> uh, from from an integrator standpoint, how do you guys go about, do you have systems in place or is it one of those things, I should ask the full question before I uh, elaborate on it. How do you get your requests to manufacturers? Is there a system in place where once a quarter, once a month, you guys you know throw an email out to Harmon or Kramer or whoever? Or is it kind of on a case-by-case basis you happen to be talking to an engineer or talking to Bradford and say, hey, by the way, you should do this?
0: Well, you know, as Aviv says, we are a very friendly industry. Yeah. And a lot of people know a lot of other people from a lot of places. So usually when we have a problem that needs a solution, I'll call up Bradford or Bobby or whoever from whichever manufacturer and say, hey, you know what sucks about your product and how you can fix it? (laughs) And, yeah, and that's then actually what she
3: says.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that is actually what I say. <laughs> and, and, and you know, we talk it through as to why it's practical or not practical, or I, I make a case for why my customers or my personal self would love or need such a thing, and then we see if it's feasible. Um, but, it, it, I mean, there's no formal process, but it, it happens when it happens. But it, fortunately, we know a lot of people, so we just call them up and and, you know, being part of the AV nation, I may have a little more clout with getting a hold of people than, than, than average integrators, just because I know a lot more of folks by name to call up and say, hey, Bobby, why can't you fix this? Or hey, Bradford, or hey, you know, Matt, or whoever, um, make it happen. <laughs> so, uh, but, but anyone in our industry, really, from, from the smallest integrator to the AVI SPLs, usually it knows a few people that they can call up and pardon me, bust their balls a little about something and, uh, make, make it, make a repair happen or a firmware upgrade or a new product, what have
2: you. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, now,
0: now if I could though on, on this via thing, yes, I, I think Kramer should be a little more excited. I mean, sounding video contractor, best in show. That's great. But being in DC, I have to say the best in show from government video magazine yes. is a little more exciting. Um, you know, I, I had seen this product at Infocom. I was kind of excited about the product because it does a lot of the same stuff as a lot of our cloud-based guys that are coming out, you know, your jeans and some of these other ones, and it does some of the same features, but when you're doing government work, the cloud is a big old no-no. As cool as the cloud is and as fantastic as some of these other products and services are, and, and we've used them on some of our corporate clients, having a box to be able to do some of the cool whiz bang things that the cloud stuff does is perfect for government integrators. So that little government video magazine award, good job. That's, that's the one for at least some parts of this country that make the difference. Did
2: you hear that? Aviv put that, put, put put that in your marketing material
3: right after the IPV, 6 right
2: after the IPV six, we'll be sending you a bill for the marketing, you know, advice. (laughs) Um, This is uh, if you guys want to comment on this, you you can. This is kind of a more of a, a hey, this is kind of a cool thing. Um, Infocom has kind of revamped their um, their it's not certification, but it's their their labeling of of integrators, honestly, and they they're calling it Apex now. Um, if you want, I'll put a, a link on the uh, on the on this show's page. Georgia, an interview with uh, with Betsy Jeffy and um, uh, Duffy. Good Lord, Duffy Wilbur and some other folks at Infocom about Apex. They have their very first um, Apex certified uh, company It's called ZDI Inc. Uh, I just thought that was kind of cool. The fact that they're starting to to certify. It is a process if you're not familiar with the process. Uh, It's more than just figuring out how many uh, CTSs and CTSDs and CTSIs you have. They actually interview your clients. (laughs) So some of you may not want to do this. Just saying, you know, you know who you are. Uh, but some of you you know it it's it, 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 it's it's rather a rather involved process um we uh at, at Innovad, my my full time job we've started down the process and uh it's been it's been quite interesting um uh don have you guys at NetAV started down the process at all
0: sort of but not really <laughs> okay. and here's how well so we're we're a very small integrator and we were emerald c a v s p okay and we were only Emerald instead of Diamond because we didn't have a D or an I on staff, but we have a couple guys taking the classes. But I did sit through and take and complete the three-day Infocom, how to become a, an Apex company class at Infocom this year. Oh, wow. And let me tell you, it's more than a process. It is a <laughs> lifestyle change. It is a lifestyle change, and it'll be a massive sea change for a lot of integrators. A lot of integrators will never hope to achieve the certification because there are business processes involved, there are certification standards that you have to adhere to the standards that Infocom has um, developed over the past decade or so. They've been working on standards with ANSI. Um, And then, of course, there are how many CTSs and how many CTSDs and I's and so forth that you have. Um, I think it's a fantastic program after sitting through the class for three days. I think I've drank the (laughs) Kool-Aid. It it really will set apart those integrators that do the job incredibly well. There's a lot of documentation involved. A lot of mom-and-pop integrators may not be set up to immediately jump on board and handle these reams of documentation involved. That's not to say they shouldn't have been doing some sort of documentation to begin with, But the level of documentation that's required by these standards can be daunting, put it that way, to a mom-and-pop integrator. But it's definitely something to try. It's definitely something I presented all the info to my bosses. And, you know, we're looking to go down that road um, with NetAV. And I hope other integrators are hoping to do the same because once you achieve the certification, it actually means something. It doesn't just mean you have a couple guys that took a test and woohoo. Or whatever it actually means, you know what you're doing, you understand what you're talking about, you can prove your work, and uh, one one of the big com- concerns with a lot of integrators in the class with me, and I, I can't remember if ZDI was one of them if they had people in the class or not, but uh, a lot of them were concerned about the asking your clients for, or <laughs> you don't ask your client for the recommendation. No. no. Infocom contacts them to interview them for the overview of the company and some of the folks were freaking out about that um if you work in the government space if you've ever gotten a gsa certification they already do that sort of thing so for some of us you know if you if you have clients you want to hide don't work in government and don't uh you know don't don't apply for the apex but i think it's it's a good it's a bold step but it's a good step for infocom overall
2: yeah i I do too and i think that's that's the the one thing that that i that kind of caught me you, I was I talked talked to you I think in, in between a, a lunch break or something you were having and you were very excited about it uh, at, at Infocom I, the thing that you said there it means something right it's not just a tally of how many CTS this that and the other you have it, it looks at your processes and makes sure that you're following some standard operating procedures that other successful integrators in in the industry are doing. So it's not just, you know, hey, you should probably just start doing these. You're, you're emulating what other successful businesses are doing. And not for nothing, but you know what? We all learn from each other, right? And, and your mistakes are, are, are my learning experiences. And so that's kind of why I'm excited about Apex is the fact that, you know, here are tools that you can give mom and pops who may not have the um, the resources available to them to find out what some of the best practices are. Well, here here are those best practices, right? Uh, right. I think that, that, that's kind of cool. So, all right, uh, a couple things before I let you guys go. First of all, I don't know why that's not showing up, but we're going to figure that out here. There it is. Uh, this week, uh, if you're on social media at all, um, what was it? T- Tuesday, uh, for about two or three days, uh, all over the place, there was this little tagline, CI40 under 40. Ah, there she is. Um it was, here. here's the thing, and, and and first of all, I would like, personally, because I, I, I somehow made this list, um, I, I would like to I thank... I want a recount of that I calendar. know, I know. Um, I, I would like to thank whoever it was that nominated me and voted for me and all this j- jazz. I'm very humbled by it. Um, but this is Commercial Integrator's attempt, uh, not attempt, but this is Commercial Integrator's uh, piece on the 40 most influential um, influencers, NAV under the age of 40. And as Don mentioned uh, at, the, at the top, uh, they kind of stretched that to include some of us who had hit 40 this year. Uh, myself, um, Don, even though they got your your number wrong, you're 30. Uh, um, uh, Chris Netto also is, is, is 40 this year and, and a couple other folks. There are some really, really great people on here. Uh, Jen, Jennifer Willard is on here. Uh, matt slack uh, uh mike Brandis, you know a lot of folks a lot of folks that uh have been on av week or in av nation there are some hosts your co-host uh miss kelly perkins from avi systems is on here it's and i don't mention this to say hey hey look at us i i mentioned it to say look at these other folks right i mean look at um the uh, the, the guy that runs uh, pepper dash look at at pepper um oh what is pepper's last name i can't I, her name just went out of my head. Um,
3: uh, Fernandez? Fernandez. Thank
2: you. Yeah, Pepper Fernandez, who runs Solutions, Inc. I, go look at those folks, right? Um, it's a really great list, um, and, and I'm humbled to be on it. And, and just so thank you to the Commercial Integrator and whoever else nominated uh, everybody and, and voted and whoever did the voting. So... Uh, check that out if you would. I have no idea if it'll be in the actual physical paper uh, edition, um, but we'll put a link to it. I
0: hope so. my
3: mom wants a copy. <laughs> <You're>, well, <laughs> your, your mom and, and my
2: dad, so, you know. Um,
3: Do you guys still get asked when you're getting going to gonna have real jobs? Because I still get asked that, and I'm older than both of you. But
2: so that's just from your wife, so.
3: Oh, yeah, good point. <laughs>
2: okay. Um, all right, last but not least. Um, so there's this thing called the uh, ALS Ice Bucket Challenge thingy.
3: Yes, I believe I did that nice two-camera shoot for it, slow-mo, You did. Everything.
2: And Miss and Dawn, Dawn, it's all Dawn's fault. Uh, I'm sorry. Dawn also nominated me, and I was going to do it uh, by myself. But then, <clears throat> oh, our good friends over at Crestron Electronics, nominated AV Nation. <clears throat>
3: Does that mean Dawn has to do it?
2: No, I'm I'm taking the 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 bullet for the entire team. Does this either. mean
3: Tucker has to do it?
2: Tucker, no, no. It means I'm going to do it for the entire team.
3: I want to see Harry do
2: it. Right, uh, right. <laughs> actually, now, so hang on for a second. So, hang on.
0: Disconnect the power. Oh, wait, now. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's
2: all. Like that's all the, the, that's all the skin a, you get to see.
3: I like the fact you're wearing a white T-shirt. This is going to make it so much better. Well, you know. Uh,
2: so, uh, how do you do this? Uh, so Crestron Electronics, uh, has nominated AV Nation. Um, we would like to nominate, uh, Commercial Integrator <laughs> for, uh, for the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge, uh, as well as Infocom International, um, and also, uh, Margot Duahi or anyone from, uh, from the New Bay, uh, media folks. So, I picked Margot because Margot was on AV Week, uh, a couple months ago. So, uh, here we go, um. This is actually ice. If you're if you're listening to the podcast, I
3: it's think it's M and M's. Shut up. Here,
2: here, here's the video. There's ice right there. You see the
3: ice? Ice, ice,
2: baby. Ice, ice, shush. <laughs> Good night. All right. So what do I do? Just dump this on my head? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Goodness gracious. Yay. Okay, that was cold, and now there's ice all over my <laughs> desk. Uh, so yeah, there you go. And we're also gonna no- donate 100 bucks to the ALS because that's what's the more important part. So, yay! Um, yay. So yeah, there you go. So, commercial and,
1: and, and by the way, guys, if you think that's only in the US, uh, I, my wife did it yesterday. She challenged me, so I'm still, at the, still have to do it today. And. Uh, oh. It's, a, it's quite go unbelievable how, how catchy this thing is. So. It, it is, actually.
2: It's, it's, a, it's a it's a social media kind of phenomenon. It's, it's been neat to watch. So.
3: Goodness
0: Aviv, covers. go get some ice. You're on the air right now. Yeah,
3: <laughs> you're on the air. Ah, uh, no, it's a problem here. <laughs> I still think Bill Gates' Goodness. version of it might yes. be one of my favorites.
2: Bill Gates's was, was very nice.
3: Yes. You should also check out Smug Mug. But they did it at 120 frames Goodness. per second Holy slow-mo. Cow.
2: <laughs> There's ice now down my back. Anyhow. All right. So there we go. <laughs> okay. I'm good.
1: That that was a definitely cool program, team. Yeah.
2: Very nice. Very well done. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, Aviv, Ron, thank you very much. It was very nice having you on. Uh, big fan thank of doing you. stuff good across pleasure. the pond and across the internet. So, where can people find out more about you or about uh, about uh, Kramer?
1: Well, KramerElectronics.com or in the US, KramerUS.com. I'm uh, Aaron at KramerL.com or on LinkedIn, any of the social media.
2: So, easy to find. Very good. Uh, Bradford Ben, my quote-unquote favorite guest of all time. Uh, Where can people find you or Uh, Harmon?
3: Typically, they can find me at the uh, local Doubletree, eating some cookies in the bar. Or Starbucks. Or Starbucks. Yes, Starbucks is at the noontime. Uh, But more realistically, there's HarmonPro.com. Uh, there's AMX.com, there's AKG.com, there's BSSAudio.com, CrownAudio.com, uh, DBXPro.com, LexiconPro.com, uh, JBLPro.com, SoundcraftUSA.com. You're just reading studio.com.
2: this list, aren't you? You're not. You no, didn't. actually, you really are a comfort
3: overlord, aren't you? <laughs> I, okay, how about just at Bradford Ben? There we on go. Twitter: BradfordBen.com is my website. You can see my video up there of me dumping water all over myself uh, I am single-handedly keeping Google Plus uh, in business with my high-tech stuff so I'm all over the world uh, would love to hear from people uh, so feel free to find me of Brad, course there's Bradford. also Bradford dot at harmon.com
2: okay. actually Bradford Bradford was one of the first people I ever did hang out with uh, when Google Plus first came up so
3: see single-handedly setting the trend yep. my customers weren't even asking for it i was solving problems even back then
2: <laughs> and it was ipv6 ready yes. three years ago
3: even though i was using ipv4 because i'm too cheap to buy a new router for my house
2: i think mine actually will do six i just i haven't i haven't flipped the switch yet so uh actually updated my dns this morning because charters dns was acting wonky last night so i just 8.8.8.8. 8. 8.
3: that's 8. exactly 8. what i did 4.4.4.4 uh, 4. 4. 4. 4. 4. 4. 4.
2: Uh, actually, it's eight point eight point four point four is their secondary one. Okay, I don't know. And if you don't know, it, that's that's Google's free DNS server. All right, Miss Dawn. Me. What
3: does me- DNS stand for?
2: Uh, dynamic name. No, no, something naming. it. What is it?
3: Domain name services. Thank
2: you. I got the name part. Don, where can people find you or NetAV?
0: Well, they can find NetAV at www.net-av.com. I'm dmead at net-av.com. And, of course, you can find me on Twitter and all the social medias. Just look up at avdawn or avdawn and I'll pop up eventually. Because you know I'm AB Dawn.
2: You AB Dawn, yay! And she also does a program on this very network called uh, AB Social. So AB actually...
0: Social, and we should be having one of those coming out pretty soon. That was highlights from my class at Infocom, and Kelly and I, my co-host and other fabulous forty under forty er mm-hmm. although I think she's barely in her thirties. Um, <laughs> she and I will be putting together a new show recording sometime coming up in September. So if you want to see how, I Be on that, on that on one, huh? Sure, let's find a topic. We're always okay. looking for guests.
3: I'm i mean. I I'm a misanthrope. He is. Well, unknown. you
0: have to talk about marketing and social media stuff, though.
3: Okay, I can do You're,
0: that. You're yeah. okay.
2: Yeah. Uh, find right. us
0: on AV Nation. How's that?
2: There we go. Uh, all right. Uh, d- don't don't follow me uh, if you want. It's at TD Albright. But go by the website. You'll find Dawn's fabulous program, uh, a new ed tech, a new solo state of control, which is our control and automation program, uh, a new Live Life, a new Pico Projection uh, show. We have a new uh, show called The Lighting Guy Show, which tackles lighting. And I never felt so dumb <laughs> when I helped James Bedell record one, because he's talking about things that I had no clue about. I mean, here's the thing, guys. I'm a programmer, right? A control systems programmer and a designer. I interface with the lighting is as, as far as, you know, you know, hexadecimal code and, you know, in string. You know, I don't do what he does. So if you're interested in lighting or just want to learn some stuff, check out his show. Um tons oh, of Oh I
3: forgot stuff. we have we have MartinPro dot com also.
2: There you go. Martin Pro. Anything Martin else? Lighting? Yeah. Martin Lighting, yes. I actually like Martin Lighting. They're 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 smart lighting, so they're uh movers yeah. and shakers.
3: So they taught me how to program those consoles. It's amazing. Really? Really? Very cool. AMX is next on my list.
2: You get AMX before I do. I'll be a little upset. Uh, I'm actually starting to work on AMX. Um, So anyhow, avianation.tv, avianation.tv, you'll find this program and a host of others. Sign up for the uh, newsletter. Uh, That way, if you don't do social media, because that's where we post and say, hey, we have new stuff. Uh, We're also going to do a newsletter for those of you who aren't on social media, so you can find out. Uh, when we have new stuff up and running and, and if, you, if you are sign up for it because we're going to have some stuff uh, some some written pieces on it um, check out the 40 under 40 for people other than than me um, see the wonderful 30 year old Don Meade and the other uh, other other 40 under 40s in two weeks we will be covering Cedia live uh, from Denver Colorado so uh, check us out if you're going to, to, to Cedia uh, we'll be doing AV Nation or AV Week live on the Friday of of that week. Plus, we'll be doing an AV Tweeps tweet up, uh, similar to what we do at InfoCom. Uh, so it's just a it's a networking event with feed, free food and drink. So uh keep us on the, on your calendar for that week as well. So thanks so much for watching. Thanks so much for listening. AVnation.tv. AVnation.tv. This has been AV Week. <laughs>